this is Miss Melis, the bathtub mermaid, and you're listening to Tales from the Cauldron. The Warehouse of Lost Dreams. Written by Melissa A. Bartell. Recorded for audio by J.G. Langjans. So, it's your first night at the warehouse, huh, kid? The paunchy older man with the graying whiskers and faded denim overalls asked. His tone was conversational. His smile was sincere. Let me guess, you're putting yourself through college. I am, I said. My own coveralls were new, the indigo still deep and dark, with decreases from where they'd been folded in the package. With self-deprecating humor, I said, I'm on the six-year plan. Better six years than no years, my mentor said. I'm Maury. Let me show you around. Sure, I said. As a custodian, you will need to know the sorting policy. Here on the first aisle are the childhood fantasies. Things kids grow out of before they turn ten. Like being an astronaut? More like being a spaceship captain. Although we still get a lot of firefighters, lion tamers, and superheroes. Maury shakes his head. Some of those are messy. The kids who tried flying before they gave up on the idea. Their bodies usually don't suffer much, but those dreams literally went splat. That's why we cover up. I was wondering, I said, what's next? Well, this next section, it's the dreams that are set aside when we're coming of age. He reaches into a bin and retrieves a handful of point shoes dangling from faded pink ribbons. Lots of ballerinas in this section, and tap dancers, but also baseball and soccer players. These are the sports and arts the kids gave up when they head off to college. Because their tastes change, I asked. Some of them. Maury returns the ballet shoes to the bin, picks up a soccer ball and bins it, and then moves a unicycle into a bike rack. Others, they just didn't have the time. Or they couldn't afford to keep up after high school. He stops, turns to face me, and stares for a long moment. Your clarinet is three over fourth shelf, he says. How do you know about that? Maury favors me with a sympathetic smile. You work here long enough and you start to pick up on things. How long have you been working here? I ask. A long time. He answers vaguely. I follow him up and down a few more aisles until we reach a bin of hard hats. Put this on, he says, handing me a yellow one. He places an orange one over his buzz-cut hair. This section can be dangerous. We enter a warehouse aisle that has bits of things. Dolls, china, musical instruments, paintbrushes, running shoes, riding saddles, and medical texts. Nothing is intact, and debris is all over the floor, not just in bins or on shelves. Broken dreams, I guess aloud. Yep, Maury answers. Next aisle isn't dangerous, but it might make you a little sad. Oh? But he doesn't need to explain. One side of the aisle is bins full of college sweatshirts and corporate IDs. 
I gulp, knowing that if I'm not careful, my own future could end up folded and greying here. On the other side of the aisle, though, is different. Smaller bins, engagement rings, wedding bands, baby shoes. Oh, I manage to say, since Moray seems to expect a reaction of some kind. Oh. Yeah, he answers, as if we'd just had a profound conversation. And maybe we have. It just didn't involve a ton of words. Come on! More rows, some are things I recognize, some are poorly lit, and shapes are abstract and indistinct. But there's a warm light emanating from the very furthest aisle, and here's where we find rows of easels, fishing poles, knitting supplies, baking equipment. This stuff doesn't seem like it's lost or broken, I say. No, this... This is where I come when the rest of it gets too much. This is the place where later in life dreams are protected until they're ready to be used. Most of these dreamers are grandparents, and they're either planning retirement activities or embracing hobbies to share with their grandchildren. Oh, wow. It's not good to linger too long, Maury says quietly. Maybe I've come here too many times. He picks up one of the fishing poles. Work hard while you're here, kid, he says. I notice that his hard hat is now a canvas one with fishing lures attached to it, like that guy from the TV show MASH. I don't understand, I say. Don't let go of your dream, he continues. Six years, even seven. You finish college. I won't, I say. I mean, I will. I'll finish. Maury turns away from me and walks down towards the brightest part of the light. I take two steps to follow him, but then there's a loud alarm from somewhere above me, and a computer voice announces, Incoming shipment. Custodian, please report the loading dock. I turn towards the place where I came in, which is suddenly only a few feet away from me instead of rows and rows away. It's my first night at the warehouse of lost dreams, but it won't be my last. The Bathtub Mermaid Tales from the Tub is written and produced by Melissa A. Bartell under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial International 4.0 License. The Bathtub Mermaid Tales from the Tub is made possible by the generous donations from my patrons. Fran Hutchinson, Mark the Encaffeinated One, Selena Taylor, Charlotte and Ken Kennedy, Clay Robeson, Jason Banks of Nerds with Voices, Susan Fogel, and Nukchas of the Nutty Bites Podcast. If you'd like to join them, you can visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash bathtub mermaid, or click the link in the show notes. For complete show notes and my contact information, please visit www.bathtubmermaid.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>